Greetings, this is The Pub, Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things narrative, story, and publishing. I'm Dean Karpowitz. I'm Trey Bourne. And I'm Sarah Willis. Today on the show, our Halloween picks. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that was the knee jerk response yeah. for everyone. Yeah, we didn't even plan it. Uh, we didn't go out. We didn't do anything last year. We stayed in. Right. I know. Halloween was canceled. Fun was canceled. Right. And so this year we can go out. I'm going to be going out trick or treating. Not me. <laughs> be a little weird. Be taking my son on both Saturday and Sunday. So we'll be doing a double trick or treating. Do you at least get like some sort of like fun hat or something at least to wear? I do not. Like- I do not. We have we have a couple of friends. Uh, two friends are a couple with a young girl, and they dress up every year, and we just look like t- total normal suburban idiots. What's Shen going as? We're not very festive. He's going as Spider Man. Well, solid. Hell yeah! He's come around to his father's way of thinking. I've been a very oh, steady. Yes, I've been a very steady Spider Man fan for decades and decades Shen has hopped from one to the next Iron Man Black Panther Miles Morales and now he's come around to Spider-Man and I hate it because we've watched the last Spider-Man movie like 17 times in the last three weeks (laughs) it's on constant repeat be careful what you wish for. Yeah. The real monkey's paw situation. My son dressed up as Batman and he wore that Batman costume every day. Yeah. After, I mean, for at least six months, every day. As you do. He's still wearing it, isn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if we do stay in this year or when we're done trick-or-treating... Um, and going to our parties and all that kind of stuff with our masks on. Uh, we thought we'd do an episode about what we should be watching slash reading slash playing. And Sarah is going to lead us lead off the uh, picks. Sure. Got my, my Rex. So I'm not big into scary movies anymore. I used to love, 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 love scary movies when I was like a teenager. And something happened in college where I don't know if I just like got too old and like the world became more depressing, but I can't watch scary movies anymore. Um, they're too real. They're like too scary. They're becoming a, a you can't you can't drink wine anymore. You can't watch a scary movie anymore. Well, no, I they put me on anxiety medication and now I can drink wine again. Just not a oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's that how that works. Okay. <laughs> uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is my go-to scary movie because it's back from like the golden age of like when I really liked scary movies, and I, I say scary in quotes, hard quotes, because like old school slasher movies aren't like they're like pretty they're cheesy. They're not. And Freddy yeah. Krueger is the ultimate. All hail Freddy! Yeah. Jason, Michael Myers, all of them—they don't talk. They're boring. Freddy Krueger—he's gonna hit on your girlfriend. I love it. He's amazing. <laughs> uh, only watched the first one, though. 
uh, and Freddy versus Jason, ignore the entire rest of the series. None of them, the rest of them exist. Those are the only two movies. You've heard it here. He has, he wears a, he wear, he think he's stolen the shirt from Bert on Sesame Street, though. So Wes Craven, like, ran into a homeless man in an alley that was wearing that sweater, and that's why he put it on Freddy Krueger, because oh. it scared him so much. So Wes Craven is scared of striped sweaters. I just think of Bert. I owned a Freddy Krueger sweater for many years. I don't know what I did with it. I loved it. Well, here's a little bit of trivia. Um, my real name, full legal name, is Freddie. Is it? And I had ne- yeah, and I had never heard anyone else named Freddie until Freddy Krueger. Wait, hold on. No, 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 no. Back up. Your name is Trey. He's, his name is like Prince. It's just Freddy. He's made up the Trey Freddy. and the Born. <laughs> it's real name. I'm the third. I can't tell yeah, yeah. Like, where the joke is starting here. What do you mean your name is Freddy? My full name is Freddy Axel Born the third. That's why I go by Trey. You're full of it. I don't believe you. It's true. Your name is not Frederick. Freddy. No. And so anyway... When I finally found someone else with the name Freddy, of course, it was someone in a horror movie. And so, yeah, that's yeah, whenever right. anyone finds that out, they either say, they usually say, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I mean, I probably would have too. So. <laughs> put your head, put your head back in your, in your mic, microphone hole and shout at us. <laughs> Freddy. <laughs> Um, right. so that's my pick, Nightmare on Elm Street, classic. If you haven't seen it, you must. It's amazing. Uh, it's Johnny Depp's film debut. The fresh-faced little baby teenage Johnny Depp. And spoiler alert, he gets sucked into a bed and the Kool-Aid man gets spat back out because there's not enough blood in the human body for that scene. It's oh. Jeff's kiss. Amazing. <laughs> <It's> be- <laughs> that and then 21 Jump Street right after. Hurts, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, for book, um, I went with like my childhood classic, which is scary stories to tell in the dark. Are you guys familiar with this? I am not. No. So it was started, it was in like the 80s to the 90s it ran. It was like uh, four collections and they're like old folklore, like urban legend sort of scary stories, like campfire scary stories that are uh, retold and collected by Alvin Schwartz. And they were illustrated by Stephen Gamel. And they had the scariest illustrations I've ever seen in a children's novel. They're like these really wispy like pen drawings. They're horrifying. And I just remember if you went to the elementary school library and you got scary stories to tell in the dark and you took that home and read it, you were like the hardest kid in class because they were so scary. <laughs> and like You're looking back, like I still remember, like they're just, they were amazing. They're the best, like, I don't know. They were like an ex- a cultural experience. I guess, <laughs> guess they made a movie based on it recently, but I haven't seen it. Probably not nearly as good as the nostalgia. I'm just imagining kid walking down the hall with scary stories to tell in the dark in his hand and and people like backing up against their lockers making room are you gonna are you gonna read that in the dark when you get home no are you actually gonna read that loved it my brought it home showed it to my mother she was horrified she's like why does my child keep picking these things (laughs) (laughs) 
That's probably the same thing my mom when I brought home a cream magazine with Van Halen on the front. That's probably the same look. She was horrified. I'm sorry, a magazine? One more time. A what magazine? Cream. Sorry. Gross. Long time ago. Gross. That was a heavy metal music magazine. Not what you're thinking. Get your mind out of the gutter. Cream. You and your little hands. <laughs> Very small hands. My last pick, I... Uh, video games. I did a twofer. I had to pick one that is just a good game. I've talked about this game before on the podcast. It's called Night in the Woods. It's a little indie game that's um, really story-based, and it has such a good fall feel. It takes place in the fall, like leading up to Halloween. Um, a little anthropomorphic cat girl comes back from college. She drops out, and some spooky stuff's going on in her town, and it's like it's just a joy. I really want to go back and play it, but it's great for this time of year while not being explicitly Halloween or explicitly scary. Just kind of spooky. Uh, for flat out scary games, uh, my pick is a game called Power Drill Massacre. Never heard of it. Are you familiar with the puppet combo indie games? No. They made a whole bunch of indie games and they're all done in the style of like like really old PS2 games, like those kinds mm -hmm. of graphics, like super like polygon type graphics and mm -hmm. a little bit of like sort of like old tired VHS sort of resolution, which in yeah. of itself I don't like. It's very unsettling. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. they're just like, they have old school sound effects. Like you're being chased by this murderer who uses a power drill and just like the sound. Something about like the fact that it's not super realistic, that it feels like found like a found footage cursed game i like i am as intrigued by it as i despise it it's it's both horrible and beautiful and i recommend it those are my spooky season wreck yeah something to do this weekend yeah download uh power drill massacre trey yes oh well mine are a lot more obvious i think um <laughs> When, when I was in third grade, my babysitter let me stay up to watch the debut of Halloween on HBO. And it scared the fucking shit out of me. Like, I've never been scared in my entire life. And when I say scared, I could not sleep without the light on. And I don't know if you remember at the end, spoiler alert, uh, there's a lot of dead bodies. And one of the dead bodies, you know, when you think about it, it's so silly. But Jamie Lee Curtis freaks out and she opens up a closet door and a body swings out. Oh, I don't so, like that. I mean, really think about it. Mike Myers not only killed the guy, but he spent a, you know, he probably went and looked for the stepladder and some <laughs> duct tape and, you know, try to figure it out this whole way just in case someone opened up the closet door that the body would swing out. So it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But it scared me so bad, I could not sleep. Uh, with the closet door closed. I could not open the closet door because I thought a dead body would swing out. But it was terrifying. And I haven't, I, I, I refuse to watch it again. Uh, some people tried to get me to watch it. I just, I, even to this day, I cannot watch it. It scared me that bad. They, uh, they have their most recent one in theaters right now. They do. Not going to see it. Jamie Lee Curtis like comes back and kills him. She does. She? she does, I think. Not I have a fun fact about Halloween. The yeah. movie, the, the, ma the mask, the mask that Michael Myers wears I know this. is James T. Kirk. 
Yeah. Yeah. Shatner mask with spray paint. And once you know that, it does make watching the movie a little bit easier. Easier. Or it makes watching Star Trek more terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know what it is about that. It just, it it scared me so bad. I have never, I don't think I've ever been that scared in my entire life. It's amazing what they got away with back then with how like low budget things were. That a prop guy just took a William Shatner mask and spray painted it and slapped him in like a Goodyear jumpsuit and was like, this will be fine. And it became like an icon. Not like it used to be the good old days. I know. What just happened? Uh, CGI Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of the movie was too real, you know, waiting for Michael Myers to come and what see, seeing you think you see him behind a, a hedge or listening to the doctor talk about how horrible he was. And so there was that Hitchcockian kind of aspect to it, but it was really when just the blood and guts and everything started and the jumps. That's what really got me as a kid. It was awful. Were your parents pissed at your babysitter? Oh, so pissed. She never <laughs> babysitted me. I mean, they were so mad. They were furious. They couldn't believe it. I think they were more mad that there was nudity. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And Halloween, then there was dead bodies. They were really mad. Because, you know, you would take out the little HBO guide and you could see, you know, at the very bottom in bold, it would say nudity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, that's what I you know, kids my age were looking for. Yeah. Right. Oh, hell yeah. Nudity. Yeah. <laughs> but my parents would look at it and be like, oh, they were just horrified that my, uh, my, my little eyes saw some naked breasts. <laughs> naked. You deserve the nightmares. That's how it's done in Mississippi. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the second book, uh, I read this book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. This was the, f- uh, I read this when I was a freshman in college, and it's called Abduct uh, Communion, and it's the first alien abduction book I, I've I'd ever read. I think they're pretty, tr- you know, people do this all the time. And you, you don't think anything about it, but the way the book was written, it was written uh, as if it was the truth, and I, I remember reading it in the dark. <laughs> Uh, by myself in the college on a weekend when no one was around, you know, everyone had gone home for the weekend and it was a, it's kind of a short read, but it just felt so realistic and everything. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I swear to God, I saw these little aliens running around <laughs> in my room and it terrified me. And I thought I told several other people about it afterwards and they're like, oh, man, you're weird. What, whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, I met my a college roommate when I was a junior, uh, we ended up rooming together and I asked him if he had ever read the book. And he said, uh, everyone around him started laughing and said that he freaked out and he thought he saw little aliens running around uh, his room too. So I wasn't the only one. But it, yeah, I think it probably wouldn't be that scary now, but it was the way I read it. It was the first time I'd ever heard anything about an alien abduction and it just, boy, it scared the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. The third is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why my parents let me watch this after I just told the whole story about Halloween. But when we were younger, they had this big special coming out and they advertised it. uh, And it was going to be Stephen King Salem's Lot. And I still remember it was maybe a two night series or something like that. And everybody was all excited about it. It was horrifying and it was terrifying in a way that I can't quite explain. You know, most Stephen King novels are psychological and they're not really 
gory, but this one talked about vampires in a way that I don't think I'd ever heard about or seen. And just especially the way the vampires appeared, you know, at that point, all I'd seen was like love at first bite and all these kind of cheesy little Dracula movies. (laughs) But the way they portrayed that, that vampire in Salem's Lot, it was the scariest and creepiest thing I think I'd ever seen up to that point. It was absolutely horrifying. I didn't realize it had been adapted. That was like one of the few Stephen King books yeah. I've read, and I, I really liked it, actually. I probably would. Would you Would you say it's worth a watch then? Would it hold up now? I think it would hold up uh, just for, because a lot of it is psychological. You know, a lot of it is about this house and about the history and all that stuff, which is really creepy. The evils of small towns, which is like the thing Stephen King exclusively writes about. In Maine. In Maine. <laughs> the small towns in Maine. And I thought, I've always said my parents were horrible for letting me watch that, but I take the cake. I, I took my son when he was 13 to go see War of the Worlds, the Steven Spielberg movie, the night before he went to summer camp. And I had no idea. You know, I thought it was H.G. Wells. I didn't know. I didn't know there was going to be blood and yeah. gore and people's hearts being plucked out and, you know, heads getting chopped off. And apparently he went to camp the next day. And oh, was just had nightmares for a whole week. Poor lad. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I stole the mantle from my from my parents. I'm the worst parent. <laughs> it's in the genes. It's in the genes handed down. Ugh. None of mine are. None of mine are scary. Like when you were talking, I was thinking about sort of artistic monster movie. Pan's Labyrinth, I would recommend. I don't think many people anymore have seen that movie. It's one of Guillermo del Toro's. And I'll say The Devil's Backbone. Holy shit, that movie, I think it's in Spanish, subtitled. And I stayed up one night watching that, and I couldn't sleep. Um, I was watching it in bed, and... My wife was next to me and I was like, afterwards, I like stared at the ceiling like, holy cow, that was a, that was a pretty crazy movie. But I picked The Shining, another Stephen King. Classic. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. I mean, it's completely sort of psychological, but I, it's not terrifying, right? No, it's like creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I love the elevator scene. That makes me very happy. I do too. It's a Stanley Kubrick movie, so you know it's going to be, you know, in a lot of ways visually kind of stunning, but also kind of weird and a, th- a thinking movie in some ways, right? And Jack Nicholson is really good. He's a naturally kind of like scary dude. Yeah. Yeah. He really played the tortured writer so well to me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And apparently Stephen King was furious. Stephen King hated that adapt- adaptation. Really? Oh, he did? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he hated it. In fact, he made it into a miniseries years later because uh, apparently the main character was somewhat redeemed at the end in his book, whereas he just died in the maze, you know, in the movie. Oh, see, I haven't actually read the book. Yeah. But Stephen King actually wrote a, a sequel in which his Danny grows up and he's having some of the same issues. Oh, are you talking about Dr. Sleep? That's it, Dr. Sleep. They adapted that recently, too, into like a movie or series. I can't remember which. Yeah, it was a good movie. I thought it was a, not a good, I mean, it wasn't like The Shining, but it starred Ewan McGregor as Oh, yeah, that's Danny. right. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. You're my only hope. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my book is not scary either, 
but it is a terrifying memory of mine. It's a ghost story. Henry James's Turn of the Screw. It's a novella. It's about 100 pages long. You can... you should be able to fly through it, but it's Henry James. So the sentences are sometimes a page long. So it's really difficult to, to read. But I remember uh, I took the introductory uh, cr- criticism or analysis course as an undergraduate in, in college. We were going to apply all of these different kinds of theories to this, to this book, The Turn of the Screw, Right. And I remember my, my, it was a TA, was not a professor, the TA. And he came in the first day and it it must've been his first day teaching ever. Cause he put, he, he wrote on the board on the, it was a chalkboard, you know, it's that old and it snaps out on the chalkboard, the turn of the screw. <laughs> and then, and then he reads it like three or four times, very dramatically. He starts out with like the turn of the screw. And then he goes, the turn of the screw. And then he started walking towards us, towards the class, had these sweeping <laughs> gestures, the turn over on this side of the room of the screw, right? And I had a friend in this class and we're both sitting in the back going, what the fuck is this guy doing? And so then he, t- he took... He took the chalk and then he t- started to make a circle around a circle around a circle around a circle, right? Then he says, this is the way the narrative of this book is. It is layers upon layers. It's layers upon layers. You peel one layer back and there's another layer underneath. And that's how Henry James is. And he sort of is, but he was super dramatic about it. And and then... And then he says, it's kind of like, like this image here. It's kind of like an onion where you have one layer and then another layer. So he's making this connection. And my friend who's sitting next to me, he says, uh, it's almost like you took a screw (laughs) and you cut the head off the top of it. And that's what you have on the chalkboard there. And he, he was like, you know, they were bros then, right? For one day, because oh my, my roommate or my roommate at the time, my friend, he fa- he failed the class because this class was re- writing and rewriting the same paper. I think it was for me eight times on the turn of oh the screw, God. and I would have to go to this guy's office because I wanted a good grade, and he had these warts, man. He he had his hands were full of like he was diseased. He had warts from the oh tips God. of his fingers up to his. Uh, wrists and he would be he would be fingering the pages of the book and I would be looking at his warts going this is cre- I'm I am never gonna forget this and I haven't right I have never jarring. yeah so it's not a scary book but it is a torturous experience in my life that I will never never forget <laughs> <laughs> reading the bastards was pretty torturous to me didn't like that book yeah, all that much yeah yeah wasn't that Henry James? That was. I, I read, with a friend of mine, read every Henry James novella. I think there are 38 of them. <laughs> we, oh my God. We took on the challenge one year and finished, yeah. I like Henry James. A little masochistic. It I don't is, think yeah. after 38 novellas of anyone, I would like them anymore. I'd be like, shut up. We, yeah. That's enough from you. You get, <laughs> you get used to his, his shtick. Just another James novella. And then my final is is a video game. I, I've really wanted to play both the Resident Evil Village game 
mm-hmm. which has gotten really great reviews and it's supposed to be pretty kind of terrifying and the, a nice blend between an action game and a, you know, narrative driven game. And I've also wanted to play Demon Souls because I hate myself and really like the <laughs> Souls games. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have a PS5 and I'm not going to get one anytime soon because I'm not going to spend twelve hundred dollars village was also old gen wasn't it i know and it's on sale i looked before the podcast and i was like hmm it's ten dollars off maybe i should maybe i should get it and play it on ps4 it's one of the crossover ones you can play it on ps5 i think it probably is fine on ps4 when they're when they're made for both i feel like they hold up pretty well yeah i should probably get it but i picked bloodborne because it's kind of an old classic yeah and yeah. aesthetically pleasing. So spooky. Really, really, really aesthetically pleasing. I won't play it because it's enough like Dead Souls that I don't want to hurt myself in my soul, my soul region. But um, I feel like I would love just like a bunch of art prints from that game because I it love the art beautiful. so much. beautiful. It's terrifyingly beautiful. Yeah. Very yeah. like beautifully macabre. Yes. You should do what I do, which is like make enough friends who are very good at video games and then tell them how great they are so that you can summon them into your game. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, help me. Yeah. And then they basically defeat all the bosses while you stand in the background and cast your little, your little magic missile spell. Yeah. Like three (laughs) or four times. And then, and then the achievement comes up and it's like, yes, I've defeated. Ah, that was me. I did that. That was thing. me. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also like his hat. Yeah, his hat is nice. And the and the masks, the the plague masks, the whole steampunk aesthetic is really kind of nice. Although the character models for all of those games are horrid. Their arms are too long. Yeah. And their faces are long. They're gangly. Yeah. They look terrible. I think the Souls, the new Demon Souls one might be better. I don't know. I did watch some Let's Plays. Well, we've given 10, I think 10 good recommendations for those people who are listening. And they should, if they have some time and are quite old school. I think I was the only one who had newish material. Oh, Night in the Woods is pretty new, right? Yeah, that's fairly new. Yeah, if you're looking for mainly some old school things. And we will be talking about very soon the cultural phenomenon that is Squid Game, but none of us chose that. So there's some horror elements to that. So we aren't done with the horror stuff. Not the same Halloween aesthetic, though. I think it's more brainy than Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Just don't do what I did and watch it on a plane. You get a lot of looks on the head (laughs) when there's blood dripping down the slide. Not a good pick. But for now, but for now, the pub is produced on that series of tubes we all know as the internet. From the studio at Underdark, which doubles as my basement and office, you can listen in on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, where we post new episodes every Monday. You can also find us on straylightmag.com, where we regularly publish new stories, poetry, art, and of course, podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at the pub podcast on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to the pub. <laughs> <laughs>
Straylight Magazine's podcast about all things narrative, story, and publishing. 